definitely wouldn't be admitting to anyone. You wouldn't admit to people that you learn stuff off me, or I should admit that I teach you. No, that you're teaching me, because I'll make you look like me. Welcome to the Raw Expose. I'm your unqualified host, who definitely is a bit of a chatterbox. And I am joined, as always, by the highly qualified Rob. Rob is an Akubra-wearing outdoors man that believes every ailment can be fixed with a bit more whiskey. Rob, how the fuck are you doing? I'm fucking great, mate. Where are you going? <laughs> Good, mate. Thought you'd like the shout out on the whiskey. Oh, yeah. And we are joined today for the first time while recording by Mr. Shannon Walker. The great, great, the great white pasty one. That's it. <laughs> if he's that, what am I? Dude, you're a ghost. <laughs> seriously, you're almost opaque. I do walk outside. I seriously, you're starting to blend in with the back wall now, bro. It's lockdown. It's my defense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what's it? How you going, Shano? Everybody on Facebook, how you doing? Um, so... What's everyone drinking? Uh, I'm on Makers and Coke. Makers, Mark and Coke. Sham, what are you on? Ditto. Same. Hey! Holy look at that. shit, check that out. Oh, well, sorry, boys. I've had to go off the whiskey today. Captain Morgan's rum. You just want to be know. a pirate, Rob. Where on do you? Oh, me heart is. Yes, I do, lot. <laughs> <laughs> and you just gave us a good example of why you're not a pirate. Well That's done. That's exactly right. But I could rape, pillage, and plunder. I reckon I'd be great at that shit. It's not a sentence I ever want you to be quoted with. (laughs) Shannon, I could do your intro, but since you're already here, how would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? No, I wouldn't want an intro. (laughs) Intro? Yeah, give me an intro. One of the best butchers around in the entire country. Rob tells me the absolute best, but I've yet to see it yet. Um... A conductor of Butcher Wars and just an all-around good bloke who I have a drink in common with. If you wanted something a little bit more professional, you may not be aware which show you're on. No, it's all good. All good. I don't, I don't know about one of the best butchers, but I'm just a butcher. Um, but I've got a good network with butchers, so I like to interact with other butchers and and um, promote the industry if I can, as much as I can. Yeah, cool, man. Um, and anyone just needs to jump over to any of your social media sites, which I've had quite a lot of scrolling through over the last few weeks, um, to see the the absolute beauty that you bring out in all the, all of your products. Like nothing is half-assed. No, no, no. If you do a job, you got to do it properly. Yep. <laughs> and that could be the slogan for Shannon Walker right there, I think. Well, yeah, I learned that as a young kid, so... Cool, man. Um, well, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a little bit of a background, a little bit of what you're up to these days. Hang on, oh, hang on. You don't um, want to hear my football career. Hang on, uh, Shan. Do you have your volume on on your phone? No, it's you, Rob. That's no, what no, mine's turned right down. Yeah, that's better. Oh, no, it's just everyone saying that there's a lot of echoing. That's all. Okay. My fault, mate. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's easy. I can't even hear it. That's good. One day we'll sort these things out. Yeah, sorry for the technical difficulties, ladies and gentlemen. We are trying to get through this, so please, you know, be patient. And if not, too fucking bad. Yeah, you got anyway. one millennial, millennial and yeah. two older folks whose generation I don't even know what they fit into. So, <laughs> <laughs> Ashan, he fits into old timers' clothes, I think. 
I think that's a bit rude. I think you're, the grey in your beards <laughs> is about on par. Rightio. So look, let, let's get let's get into it. Right. So Shan, you, we we know you're a radish eating butcher um, that loves doing, you know, some weird, wild, fancy things. I mean, um, like meeting me, I think was probably the most wildest thing you've ever done. Yeah, it was an experience. It was a very big experience. It's an experience um, every day. It, well, hey, just being around me is a bloody experience every single day. Even around you? It's a scream. <laughs> it's, what happened? It's a screen and I'm still scarred. I'm not even near you. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon, so, tell um, us about yourself. Rob's ruined it. I've ruined it. But give us give us a bit of a, a bit of a history, Shannon. What did you do before you got into um the, the, the meat stock and butcher's wars and, and everything else, mate. Yeah, okay. So um, I, I left school at a young age. I, I didn't really like school. School didn't really like me. Um, they told me A equals X in maths. And that lost me completely. So off I went and um, I was working part-time at McDonald's. My parents said, if you want to leave school, you've got to get a job. So I rang up McDonald's. Next day, I'm there full-time, North Parramatta McDonald's. Um, yeah, starting at 5.30 in the morning, finishing early. Um, I do claim to fame being the first person in Australia to cook the bacon and egg McMuffin. Jeez, I, that's a fair claim to fame, though. Uh, considering the amount they sell now, like we used to go to 7-Eleven and buy the muffins and buy the eggs, come down and, and we you know, probably only sell four or five a day if we're lucky. Um, but yeah, obviously they're selling a few more of them now. Yeah, just a few. So then, um, yeah, so yeah, then I, I, I looked at um, courses to do at TAFE. And uh, so I went for an IQ test. And they said to me, I could be a butcher or a painter. <laughs> so I don't know how well I went at that test. But um, so, yeah, I had the opportunity. So I took up the butchery. I started a pre-apprenticeship, which was full-time at TAFE. And within the first couple of weeks, the local butcher had approached the TAFE looking for someone. Um, and because I lived, you know, pretty much five minutes away and my marks were really good then, um, he said, yep, you got a job, come and wash up Saturday. So I washed up Saturdays until I finished my course. And once I finished the course, I was, um, yeah, ready to go and, um, start the butchery trade at Winston Hills. So I was there at that shop and it was you know, quite an interesting little shop. Um, it was about four or five butchers, but I, I didn't feel I was learning what I needed to. So I moved on to another shop about 10 minutes away at Castle Hill. Uh, there was 22 butchers in the shop. So like every Monday would get like 40 bodies of beef. So I, I soon you know, jumped in there and, and learned how to, you know, break beef and, and do all the things and that needed to be done in a butcher shop. Um, ended up going back to where I first started, uh, managing a shop for them and got out of the industry for a little while um, into sales wrapping where I was selling uh, small goods, which was um, yeah, a little bit different, um, interesting. And um, so from then, I, um, I was drinking one afternoon and a butcher that I knew was selling his shop and I rang him up and I said, Would you, you know, I'm going to buy the shop. Hadn't, hadn't been butchering for seven years. So... Yeah, so three or four months later, I ended up here. I am in my own shop at you know, 27 years old, and uh, it was a, quite a learning experience. Long hours, hard work, 
but you know, I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, I wish I was there now with the knowledge I've got now. And yeah, then I moved on to another couple of shops and then I ended up at a round corner Dural where you know, I learned a little bit of extra skills as far as valuating goes. Um, and a, a friend of the, the owner of the shop, uh, she, she worked at TAFE and you know, she said to me, you, you'd be a really good TAFE teacher. You should you know, apply. So I, I approached TAFE and they said, oh, you, you don't have to do your TAE, which is a training and assessment course. So I completed that. And halfway through that course, this colleague said, oh, have you ever done any meat inspection? Um, because we're looking for a teacher of meat inspection. So I said, no, so she said, next minute I'm signed up to do meat inspection as well as my training and assessment. So I'm doing two cert falls at the same time. Um, so every Saturday morning, I'd start at 4 a.m. at home on the computer, which I wasn't really good at, uh, computer work. And, and I'd, I'd do 12 hours trying to complete this course which was a two year course. I ended up completing it in six months. Um, a, lot of, a lot of hard work. Uh, it was expensive as well, but you know, I got there in the end and um, had the opportunity. I, I taught butchery for a little while at, at Granville Tape, which I thoroughly enjoyed you know, working with the students face to face. And, and then I went to Tape Digital or O10 as it was called, where I was teaching um, the meat inspection and also as part of that they had a, a little smaller course uh, game harvesting so i showed a lot of interest in that and and worked really hard went out with uh, several industry people to get a bit of knowledge on it and um yeah i've been doing that now for six years and really loved it that's how i came across rob uh he was one of my students so you know, i could actually say that i taught rob but, <laughs> but he, he was actually a, a a big help to me in, in, in my knowledge of the industry. And um, it's very, very kind of you. I don't know if anyone teaches Rob an awful lot, um, but I am going to just cut off right there real quick. Cause we've got an awesome intro. We got a little bit about you there, Shannon. So Rob, I'm going to ask you to ditch your Facebook live. Yeah. Cool, mate. No worries. Yeah. <laughs> people right. want, if people want to know more, they've got to watch the whole episode. That's it. They've got to watch a whole episode done. And you don't want to miss it. Oh, come on. Switch off. He has a bastard switch off. There we go. All right. Alan, yeah, that's, a, that's a hell of a journey, man. And, and one that I think, um, I just, you, you built up quite a few um, go-to skills right off the go there. Like you, you were told, you know, you've got to get a job. So you did. And then you helped out one of the world's biggest conglomerates with a product that they sell daily um, and then moved into the industry you loved and enjoyed uh, kind of by luck, but then kind of thrived in it. And, and very early in, we're asked to teach it to other people. Yeah. And then you, you unfortunately run across Rob, but like how does... <laughs> that's, that's, that's quite uh, a journey for just... Where to go today. It's quite a journey for just an introduction there, man. Um, uh, it was. So as a, I'll just go back to the McDonald's days. As a 16-year-old, yeah, um, the Queen was opening up Parramatta Stadium. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so the Queen was there um, and North Parramatta McDonald's was part of the route for the Queen. So it was actually one of their busiest days in history because everyone was lying in the streets to see the Queen. Um, I thought it was only because they wanted to see you working at Marcus. No. <laughs> but I, I was the only staff member rostered on that day. Every, everyone else was a, a manager or, or the owners. So they had yeah. the best of the best there. And you know, 
I was pretty proud of myself back then to say, oh, wow, look, I'm around all these managers. You know, they, they were my heroes back then, you know, the managers of McDonald's. Yeah, wow. Well. Um, you know, I think if I had a stayed on at McDonald's, I'd probably be wearing the suit by now. That's pretty cool, man. I, I like that those those sort of stories because I think often those um those job opportunities get somewhat looked down on by people, and they shouldn't be because there's a lot to be gained from them. I'll um, employ I'll employ anyone that's done McDonald's work because of the training that they give and the you know, working of the team and all that. It's, it's, it's funny though because everybody that I know that has worked there that has gone on to bigger and better things. Let's say like Chef Sam Burke, right? Sammy started at Marcus, like, and we were just delinquents when we were young. I'll bring that up like with Sam once we when we do get Sam on um on the what's me called, and um the, the, the thing we're doing now, yeah, yeah this thing here like this yeah, thing yeah. here yeah okay um yeah, but when, when we get Sam on and we we have an interview with him, um yeah like a lot of that will probably come out about what we used to get up to when we were younger um but yeah like everybody who is somebody today in a, in a, in, a, in a particular way like. Some of most of them have all started at Maccas. Like Maccas, the way they teach kids is just actually really good. I'm a trader. Um, mine is a <laughs> KFC upbringing, but well, the, the the fast food like the structures are very much the same. Like the, the you, training and the it's amazing that you bring up KFC because my grandmother lived on, on Oxford Street, Guildford. Okay. Uh, just around the corner was the first KFC, mm. and, and she was heavily involved with um. The um, uh, what do they call it? The church community. The church community. Yeah. And and she was the per first person in Australia to eat KFC because they gave her a big box to take to the church. And you got a few claims to fame here. Oh, I haven't started yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think Meat Stop gives you quite it. a few. I, I've got a few friends who have attended that festival, and we'll certainly get into it soon. Yeah. Um, when I stop ruining the mic with my my Coke. Um. But yeah, that that the you've got quite a few claims to first. This is cool. Yeah, no, it was good. It was, um, and, and it was a special treat as a kid growing up. You know, grandma being you know two hundred meters from um, KFC, that was our <laughs> every birthday lunch was that was it KFC. Keep fat circulating. It's so good for you. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah, KFC keep fat circulating. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, we got there, Rob. It's come fine. on, Brady. No, it's just the look that you had on your face. It's kind of like. The look I had on my face was that I am a studying health professional <laughs> and you regularly undermine that. <laughs> what the? Dude, seriously. I know shitloads of guys that are going to the gym and everything and that's all they do is eat freaking KFC. And they're lean as, sh lean as buggery. I, I, I don't get it. I really don't. Yeah, hello. There we go. Yep. There we go. All right, Shan. How did you get involved with meat stock? Okay, so, so meat that stock. was one of the questions that we had from from one of our um, one of our uh, followers. Yep. So meat stock, I saw this thing come up: butcher wars, butcher wars, and every carton of pork that we got into the shop that I was working at had a butcher wars sticker on it. Yeah, so they were really promoting it. So you know, I just started at TAFE, um, and I, I really thought about competing because I had a, a few value-added products up my sleeve and I actually didn't sleep for about three nights thinking about it. I was, you know, should I do it? Shouldn't I do it? So I end up getting in contact through, through Amist, who's a, a meat superannuation uh, company. I got the phone number of Jay Beaumont. Yeah. So I, I rang up Mr. Beaumont and uh, I said, 
um, this butcher walls, you know, what's the go with it? Da da da. And we got talking and and I said, Do you want a hand? Because he was he'd set it all up. He, he set the criteria up, the rules up, but he didn't know really how to run it. And neither did I, but I said, okay, mate, I'll come and help you. And and that was to me was a you know, okay, phew, I don't have to compete. All right, I don't have to put my balls on the line. Um, at the, especially at the, at the new tape teacher, if someone comes and beats you, I'll beat the tape teacher. Yeah, I'm better than him. So I said to myself, okay, I'll, I'll go and help. So Jay goes, I turn up 10 o'clock Sunday and uh, it starts at 11. So I end up going to meet stock on the Saturday um, and watching the Barber Wars, which was you know, really good. They're very talented. Um, but you know, it wasn't that exciting. And I walked around meat stock and I had no interest in barbecue really. So you know, to me, it was a good day. I had a couple of VIP free drinks and I walked around and this bloke getting his photo taken with people. So I got my photo taken with him, ended up being Tuffy Stone. Um, but yeah, I, so I walked, you know, I turned up at eight, uh, I think it was seven o'clock on the Sunday morning instead of 10 o'clock. And lucky I did because there was a lot of hair from the barbers. All over the bloody place. Yeah. There we go. Switch it over. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, got, yeah, so, I got Rob's merch. Trying to like. Oh, you got some, did you? That was nice. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, you trying to say something there, mate? <laughs> oh, no. So, so I turned up to the butcher walls, and and you know, Jay didn't really know what to expect. We we you know, tidied up all the hair and got all the benches unwrapped, ready to go. Put it all out there, and you know the butchers are starting to turn up, and you know they didn't really know what was happening. Or, or what to expect. And you know, I said to Jay, I say, okay, let's get the butchers to throw the lamb on their shoulder and walk in. Mm. So off they come and they do the event. You know, halfway through the event, I look up and you know, there's you know, 1,500 people there watching butchers cutting up meat. And I said to myself, wow, you know, this is awesome. And uh, there's another bloke that um, Jay, Jay knew who turned up and a um, you know, little, little guy. Um, he had his butcher's apron on. He's sweeping up all the fat that falls on the floor. And it was the good mate, George. Oh, Abbo. His, um, you know, his, his passion was there. And, you know, we, we sort of got talking and we had a really good day. You know, mind you, after the event, um, I had to pack up all the meat. And, and I was there till 8.30 at night. Um, that day, I did 37,000 steps. So it was a hard, <laughs> long day. Um, but yeah, you know, we got it done. And, you know, the response was really good. Um, and yeah, you know, Jay thanked me. And then yeah, then Auckland, Auckland was coming around the next year, and he got in contact with me. Do you want to come to Auckland? I said, Mate, I'd love to. So yeah, I haven't missed the meat stockers yet. Um, I've been to every single meat stock, which you know, there's probably only a handful of people that have actually done that. Mm. Um, but the people I've met, you know, through meat stockers has been incredible. And that phone call I made to Jay has really changed who I am and, and, and what I've been able to achieve in the industry. It really has, um, you know, he, he's helped me out a lot. I, I'd like to say I helped him out a little bit too. Um, and that's what life's about, give and take. You know, like a lot of people ask me, you know, oh, how much do you get paid for butcher walls? Well, I don't get paid a cent, you know. I, I do it for the industry mm. and, and, and the networking of the butchers. Like just to see a young butcher turn up one year, you know, he might come, you know, midfield. And the next year, you know, he's been training and he's been practicing he comes back and just kills it the next year, which is just great to see. Yeah. And and every week I'll, I'll talk to three or four of the butchers, you know, from Meatstock. 
um, just to have a chat, say good day, see how they're going. So yeah, it's really good. Yeah, I got I got to say, mate. Like I've only been involved with um, with meat stock and everything, only mate, because of our, our our mutual friendships with Mo and all that sort of stuff, and with the guys from Black Bear and a few like a few of the other boys like Two Smoking Arabs and a lot, a lot of the a lot of the barbecue guys, I guess. Um, but yeah, it, it's a it's a great community. It's a great bunch of guys. Um, everybody's there to compete, but you know what? They're all mates, and that's the best part about it. Oh, it is. And, and they all create really really good friendships. They do, and that's just not butchery. You know the barbecue, barbecue side. Barbecue boys, too. yeah. Like you know, a lot of people don't know that I've actually competed at you know at barbecue. You know, we well, do, you, do you actually know how to barbecue, Shannon? That's the other big question that we had. Does Shannon actually know how to barbecue, or does he ride off someone else's back? <laughs> well, there. So uh, Port Macquarie um, Barbecue Wars is probably one of the largest, and it is the largest in the Southern Hemisphere. So I, I was working um, with my good mate Adam and at the Meat Boutique. Oh, yep, yep, yep. At the time, and I, and I was competing with a team called Smoking Coals Barbecue. Yep, um, you know, When I say I was competing, like, you know, I do a lot of the parsley and I do a lot of the beer drinking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'd also bring out the knife and, and, and do a bit of trimming. And, and, and this particular event, you know, I was, I was there trimming the lamb ribs and one of the really top teams that had been winning all year, one of their guys walked in and said, oh, those lamb ribs are shit. Oh, okay. Fair enough. So I carried on. Yeah, I don't try and get involved in politics and bullshit that goes on. Um, so you know, we end up getting first place in lamb. Um, we end up getting fifth place in brisket. This is out of 100 teams. Um, the Weber Kettle Club, um, they got first place in pork, who the, the Meat Boutique supplied the pork to. Uh, and we end up getting second place overall reserve grand champion. Damn, Damn it. Yeah, yeah cool. barbecue, mar- barbecue Mafia beat us by, you know, I think it was about seven points. Yeah. And we beat all the top teams except for them. So that's pretty um, interesting for me because, like you mentioned earlier, that you're not actually all that into the barbecue side of it. You're more about the dealing with the stuff pre the, beer. the cooking. Yeah. <laughs> the butcher, the butchering stuff. Yeah. 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 yeah, the, yeah. the butchering side of things. And, you know, I, and that created an interest in the barbecue side of things for me. Okay, so your first time walking around those events where you saw all the barbecue stuff compared to a little bit later, it did change for you. Oh, 100%, 100%, yeah. Well, yeah. I can tell you, honestly, Shannon would have to be the only bloke that I can know that can smoke radishes, okay? <laughs> honestly, like he's got a, a natural talent. This could, this got look. You really clung on to this, Rob. <laughs> no, no, you've no, got to you, check this out. I mean, if you haven't tried a radish on the barbecue, do it. <laughs> No, trust me, they're they are amazing. Just a, you know, probably about fifteen minutes in the weather, bit of yeah, yeah. absolutely amazing. Mate, the la- the last time I remember, the last time I remember, we were talking about this. Those radishes that you had hanging look like dried up shriveled sheep's balls. Yep, that was a bit. Of, that was a bit of fun. So <laughs> <laughs> very deliberate. And, and, and look, he, he tried to get Mo to eat those things. Mo wasn't dumb enough. So how did the radish situation come up? So yeah. we're at another barbecue comp and, and we got first place in brisket and yeah, people coming up, oh, yeah, what did you do? And, and I was telling everyone, we injected it with radish juice. <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> so they're looking at me funny. I said, oh, well, it's a secret. You know, I can't tell you how I do it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's how it came up. And you know, I, I do like a good radish, but yeah, we didn't really inject the brisket with radish. <laughs> it's become a thing for you. I love yeah, it. I, I'm actually making a sausage next week. With um, potato, radish, and peas. So, 
You are shitting me. I don't even know oh. whether to believe you. Like, at oh, this stage. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am. I think it'll, it'll probably be a big hit. Um, That'd be cool. Yeah. I'd be willing. Yeah. Shannon, yeah, you... any, any vegan out there would love it. No, that's right. <laughs> Shannon, you have such a cool story so far. I'm a little bit curious about what you get up to. Um, your hobbies outside of the actual butchery side that's still related. Like, do, do you get involved with the hunting? Do you get involved with the... I mean, you've said you've won some barbecue stuff, but... The cooking is that a major thing for you? Uh, oh. Yeah, there's one of the hobbies, mate. He's just changing. The eels, it up yeah, no. I mean, you only have to take a scroll through your social media to discover that. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, like I do, I do support the Parramatta Eels, and I love my football. Um, yeah, there's you know, been a few football highlights in my career. I was a bit of a pest on talkback radio for a number of years back in the day. Yeah. Um, actually walked across the Harbour Bridge wearing a cheerleader's outfit once for a competition. I've got to find that. I'm going to put that across this in the video for YouTube. Yeah, was, um, if, we, if we can find it. Yeah, it was cool. I was actually with Donnie Sutherland. Um, Rob probably knows Donnie. You probably don't. Bro. Yeah, I do, actually. Yeah. So Donnie Sutherland, uh, Shannon Walker, Walking Bridge, the bridge in cheerleader a outfit. Surely that Google search is going to give me the result I'm after. Yeah, but I did have to get the train to Parramatta, to, from Parramatta to the city first in peak hour. And I actually had a big, like, a birthday card. We got it signed, you know, to all the players. And we ended up sending it to the players. I've um, done that train before. I wouldn't want to do it in a cheerleader outfit. Oh, people were whistling me. Kicked the me on the ass and blokes. You know, you know the best part about this is that's the one claim to fame that Shannon can turn and say, I've been wolf-whistled in my life. But he had quite a few earlier on. But, but my... My, my highlight in, in, in as a football as a supporter was going back to 1986, um, last time Parramatta won the comp. I that was, was a fucking long time ago, Shannon. We're really showing our age, mate. I just turned 16, so I wasn't, I wasn't half price on the bus. So with my fake ID, I was able to get half price on the bus. <laughs> okay, so we got the bus into town, me and three mates. And then with my other fake ID, I was able to buy beer. <laughs> wow. So... So we've got half price there. We brought beer at the ground, half time in reserve grade. The roosters were playing and someone threw a rooster on the field. A live rooster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So here I am, cigarette in one hand, beer in the other hand, jump the fence, chasing this rooster. <laughs> and it's actually on the highlights video for that for that year of the grand final. For, for slight reference, because we do have uh, quite a few American listeners, the first two episodes were the American guests. Um, the drinking age in Australia is 18, not That's 21. Correct. So it's not totally wild that a 16-year-old was drinking. In America, they drink at 16 because they get to... Oh, well, they drink at 18 because they're allowed at 21, whereas we drink at, like, 11. Yeah, well, literally, as soon as you come out. Yeah, we're, like, yeah. 11 for 18, but that's fine. Yep. Shana, that's a wicked story. I love that. Um, yeah, no, well, yeah, so you're, you're into your Parramatta eels. Do you do any of the hunting, fishing, wreck side of it? Or are you just you're yeah, totally so about the after result with the butcher? I, I, I don't actually do a lot of hunting. I enjoy going out with hunters. Yep. Um, I don't do much hunting myself. Um, Shannon, Shannon did teach me everything I know. Yeah, well, that's, that's true. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but I, I am passionate about, because I, I talk to hunters you know, daily. Um, yep. And I'm passionate about what they do. And what they're doing to help farmers, to help our environment, um, you know, that's that's the real good side of the story about game meat harvesting. It's, it's not so much, you know, I, you know, go out and shoot an animal. It's about 
what that process is and, and utilizing that meat instead of just leaving it in the paddock. You know, that's, that's actually, what, yeah, sorry to cut you off. I, I really don't mean to. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's actually what my course is all about, you know, utilizing that meat. Yeah. And you know, not, getting it, not getting it wasted. Yeah, yeah 100%. 100%. So like coming from not related to this industry at all, and speaking to the few people I've spoken to, that seems to be like a like a, a whole universally accepted rule. Like, I mean, and yes, I've got Rob as the person who's introing me to it, but everybody seems to have this huge respect for it, and that's that's wonderful. It, it, is. it is. It's it's and so cool. Yeah, and the, the humane side of it, the animal welfare, you know, is very important. Absolutely. I, I haven't spoken to anyone yet, Rob, and the the guests that we've had on who has had a love of harm. That, no. that hasn't been a thing at all. Everybody has just enjoyed um, getting things done the way it should be done in the best painless, the, the least pain possible, and then producing a good product and making sure that there isn't a wastage and sustainability and doing it for the right reasons, which is really, really, really cool. Yep. And it's actually the oldest correspondence course that TAFE's ever had. Yep. Mm. So it's been going on for, you know, I, I couldn't tell you how many years, but it was around where the rabbit is. You know, back in the day where you know meat was you know you couldn't buy it because it was too expensive so the guys with the rabbits would walk around rabbits had... rabbits were in plague proportions back then and that's what yeah. they used to live off that's right underground mutton yeah and and, the, and these guys had to do an online uh, not online back then but a correspondence course through tape so oh wow yeah. that that's quite cool yeah, it is. I like, that, that's I, I like that little tidbit that's that's pretty cool yeah oh man oh You've, you've, you have such a story ingrained with the whole industry. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It's, um, it is, you know, I'm, I'm very passionate about it and, and keeping it alive. Um, I've really promoted the, the game meat harvesting as, as far as student numbers go. When I first started, you know, we get four or five a week. You know, now we're up to 30 or 40 every week. We're getting new enrollments, you know, people doing it, some professional, some are just recreational guys who just want to learn more. Um, and they really benefit from the course because they have to go out with a licensed harvester. So that gives them that experience with someone licensed. Mm. And yeah, they, they learn how to do it properly. Like I went with, I invited Rob uh, on a TAFE um, course that I did up in Broken Hill where, where we have 30, 30. Why would you do that to yourself? Well, I was, I was lucky. I was able to fly up there. Rob had, Rob had to drive um, 17 hours to get there. <laughs> All right, he, so knows, he knows I was the only bloke that, that could actually get on with the, with the community that we were with. Yeah, but it was, it was great. Like, you know, we, we had um, sessions in the classroom theory, you know, which, you know, a lot of them did struggle with a little bit. But, you know, we, we helped them. They were able to do it. Um, then we went out and, and Rob did his game, game part of it, you know, the shooting and, and bringing the animals back to the campsite. But the friendships we built up and, you know, the appreciation we got from the guys about, you know, what we've done, but, you know, these guys have been doing it for years, but they learnt things. And that, yeah, that's what it's all about, teaching people. And it's also, it's also, it was also really good because, I mean, I, I brought Christian, you know, your adopted son. Yep. Um, so I brought, I brought Christian out and it was a real big eye-opener because we were dealing with a lot of, Abor like, the Aboriginal community up there. So, like, Uncle Badger and Bill Yara and Uncle Owen, a lot of, like, Wacker and all those sort of guys. Like, we had Dottie, who was an ca absolute character. Yep, yep. From, from 17 to 68. Yeah. yeah. Like we're not talking about just middle-aged guys or young people. We're talking about from really young to like older people. And the cultural differences between what we do 
it isn't a hell of a lot. It's just the way it's actually like the way we do it, as a, as in the humane and the uh, and the the hygiene side of things is is a complete different thing. But the barriers there between between and I don't like to use this word, but between races and everyone thinks that they do things completely different. The the camaraderie between the two of us. I mean, Shan compared to like them was like a piece of paper, like just white. Yeah. yeah, but the friendships, the friendships there that we had were just fantastic. Like they, these guys, they love you no matter what. And there's no racial discrimination out there. Like it was really great. They love the idea that they were learning so much from a, a TAFE teacher, number one, and then from a professional harvester, which was fantastic. And they just literally took it all in. And it was fantastic. We loved it. And um, I mean, I thank Shan for, for putting my hand up to, to go out there because he knew that I was going to stupid enough to drive there. That's all. Right. <laughs> uh, but it was just a great experience, you know, and I, I come across that uh, week in, week out with my students, you know. Mm. Um, you know some, some of them are battling. Some of them are, you know, 60, 70 years old. They lost their job. You know, they live on the property. They're trying to make a little bit of an income from harvesting animals. And, you know, it's, it's really fantastic. To me, it's probably one of the... Um, and I mean, me, me and you, I've known you for quite a while, Shannon. It's... Um, as much as we put shit on each other and we muck around, I mean, I love you. You're a great bloke. I don't muck around. Yeah, I know. You're an yeah. asshole. But anyway. That's, um, that's all Rob does. Uh, so, Shaq, you what muck around. I... That's what you do. You exist oh, as a on. muck around guy. That's, that's um, your thing. No, but but look, I mean, I love his passion. I love pa- Shannon's got a passion for everything. And, and when you look at what he does, it really does shine out on everything. Like you look at Butcher's Wars, you look at meat stock, you look at what he does to actually help butchers around the country. I mean... Is the only butcher that I know that started up and got 50 people to start a cookbook, a butcher's cookbook. And they got it. Yeah. And he, he's a bloke who organized it all. He's a phenomenal bloke, mate. Give us a little bit more about that, Shadow, because I feel like I didn't get enough. All right, so I had a dream. <laughs> Martin Luther King, here he comes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> all right, no, I, I just thought to myself a year ago, you know, oh, geez, it'd be great to have a, a cookbook you know, from a butcher. So you know, I was going to call it cooking from the butcher's mouth. And um, didn't happen, didn't happen. Um, then I spoke to a colleague that I met at a conference and he suggested that I approach other butchers to be part of the book. So I said, okay. So then I then approached once again, going back to Jay from Meatstock. I approached Jay and I said, I got this idea. You know, we get these butchers involved and each butcher will purchase books to be involved in the book. So he said he'd done a few cookbooks himself. Um, you know, some very successful, some, um, you know, he's still got a few boxes of some of his books in his garage. So I said, okay, let's do it. And with the network that I had through Meatstock um, and social media, we decided to do the butcher's cookbook. So we, we got 50 butchers from around the country. They all submitted two recipes each. Um, and we did a little story on, on their shops and a, a little story on, on how they became butchers. And yeah, we, I think it was about five, six months ago that it came out. Um, we've probably got about 50 copies out of the 5,000 that we printed left. Wow. So we've actually, actually just launched a couple of days ago, a uh, number two version in Australia. So we're, we're going to look out for, for you know, some new butchers. Some of the butchers from the previous book will be in it. But it'll be a hundred new recipes. Um, the feedback's been phenomenal, and um, 
butchers, it's like a badge of honor for them. So, you know, wow, I'm in a cookbook. Mm. You know, they're so pre- privileged to be in it. And it's so easy for them to sell. But it's also, it's also a recognition thing, Shane, because in the way, what I think is a lot of you guys have been in the butchering industry for like 30, 40 years, some of these guys. Some have only been only just new. But to actually have your own recipe in a cookbook where someone can actually open it up and just go, oh, I know that butcher. Or I used to live in Victoria, like let's say with Paul. Um, Adelaide, yep. Yeah, in Adelaide. And, you know, and then you get someone like that who turns around and just goes, well, you know, my stuff's in a cookbook. That's fantastic. Do you know what I mean? And people will know him and people will turn around and say, you know what? Let's say in 10 or 20 years' time, if he retires, people just turn around and say, I used to go to see that bloke. We had 100 copies of the book go to America. We had 50 go to Greece. It's gone to Saudi Arabia. It's gone to New Zealand. It's gone to the UK. Scotland, it's, it's travelled over the world, not in great numbers. Mm. So that book's out there now, all around the world. And, you know, to me, these butchers that are in it, their kids, their grandkids are going to say, oh, look, at you know, this granddad in this book, it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome, chat. What a stamp to leave on your industry to just recruit all these people and, and create like a, well, a collaboration effort to get out there what they're doing. It is. Absolutely. When we were organising it with Jay, we actually met halfway at Newcastle for the start of COVID. Um, and he said, is there anything, if you died tomorrow, is there anything that you'd regret? And I said, you're not having a book. So that sort of made him stand up and go, okay, we're going to do this. And um, he did it for me. Yeah, he's a good mate. And um, it was a lot of work. Um, yeah, we did profit a little bit of money from it. But it wasn't about that. It was about promoting the industry um, and you know, just making butchers proud to be butchers. Yeah. Uh, and and uh... the feedback from the people that have brought it, you know, whether they're friends and family, you know, are oh, the recipes are easy to follow. They're really good. And there's such a wide variety. It's not just a, you know, barbecuing or smoking. It's, you know, from chicken cacciatore to chicken skin dumplings to yeah. you know, meatloaves from a 95-year-old lady. Wow, that's so cool. I think that gives us a good segue into just a quick little question. Uh, what's your best tip for anyone who wants to do butchery or wants to cook something from your industry, like really raw? Like what, what's the best tip that you can give anyone? That wants to cook something? Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> so if we can see that, it's, um, it's butcher barbecue. Okay, mm. so. Talk about promoting the shit out of everyone, mate. He's Jesus. ready, mate. He's, uh, he's, he's good. <laughs> this is actually confusing for me because I'm the one who has to edit this and put yeah. logos in it. So I don't know which one to no, use. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not sponsored by any anyone. There's no financial sponsorship. So you know, I don't I don't do things for money a lot of the time. I, I do it for love. Um, but it is about building building up a relationship with your butcher. Exactly right. If you don't know your butcher's name, um, you got problems. You got problems. You've really got to you know. Get to know your butcher. Go to your butcher. Don't you know the supermarkets? Yes, they, they do an okay job. You know you, you can buy meat from the supermarket. You know it's there, it's convenient. I get all that, but having that relationship with that butcher, you, you got to get what you need. You know, and especially you know, like six years ago, a guy came up to me and said, "I need a, a Boston butt." All right, there was eight butchers in the shop. No one knew what a Boston butt was. I didn't know what a Boston butt was. So I actually took the time to Google it. So I Googled it and it was a yeah, pork shoulder, square cut, rind off. Yep. Mate, I'll get that for you tomorrow. He goes, beautiful, I'll come and get it. He goes, I've been to seven butchers. And not one of them knew what it was and not one of them could help me. You're the only one that's actually put the effort in. And that guy's been a customer of mine now six years. You know, 
I was, I was listening to another podcast the other day and he was looking for tri-tip. Mm. And he said he went to 17 butchers. And they all, a lot of them laughed at him. You don't know what you're talking about, mate. There's no such thing. So, you know, a lot of it comes from America, especially in the barbecue side of things, you know, they're different names. It's still the product you can get, but they're different names. Yeah. Like seven years ago, butchers weren't selling brisket for smoking. It wasn't happening. We spoke about that, that a little used... bit in our last episode as well, didn't yeah. we? The, the popularity oh, Sterling, and the... Sterling took all that, did he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a no, a little Sterling... bit about the popularity of different cuts and how yeah. they do change things. Yeah, here we so go. I haven't got here Sterling happy. I've got a Mike Johnson sugar fire. Sugar oh, that fire was our smoke, first one. Mate. There you go. Yeah. I love Mike. love Sterling. Um, and just, you know, you didn't ask me this question, but the people I've met from meat stock and all that, that's really, you know, really changed my... I was going to bring that up as soon as you brought that up. Okay, yeah, I brought it up. So, you know, that's you got... fine. You did our job for us. We'll accept it. <laughs> that's okay. You got Mike Johnson. Um, yeah, really great fella. Um, you know, I've had many beers and, and meals with Mike and, and Sterling. Um, Sterling was in Melbourne doing a class. And so we went to his class. Um, didn't pay, but we went. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as, you, with, as you do. As you do. At our good mate, uh, Glenn Dunbarrell, shop in Melbourne. Um, and then we shared an Uber with Sterling and it was the funniest Uber ride I've ever had. Um, only because of my jokes usually, but yep. yeah. and, and, and that just built up that relationship with Sterling. Um, every time I see him now, you know, we have a cuddle and you know, we'll, you know, we'll talk shit and whatever. And then you go to, um, there we go. There we go. <laughs> then we go to Big Mo, like, um, you know, Big Mo was in Sydney for meat stock. I'd met him previously at um, Auckland and his first Sydney meat stock, you know, I reached out to him and I said, because I know he likes his hunting. And I said, would you like to go um, and, and we'll go hunting for kangaroos? Oh, he goes, I'd love that, man. So I picked him up at four o'clock Sydney time, peak hour traffic, drove down to Bower off of Rob and then, you know, we had another hour to go to the property we were at. Um, and he had a whale of a time. And you know, he's since been back. Um, he almost and and we almost made him do a nudie run. Yeah, almost. Uh, I've got some videos, not <laughs> nude, but yeah. <laughs> Brady's in the middle going, huh? What? <laughs> yeah, seriously, dude. We had a we had a bet with Mo that if he and and and, and we basically told him it, like it has to be a vital shot, everything, because if not, and I have to finish things off, you're doing a nudie run around the paddock. Yeah, like 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 t- taking Mo you know, down with Rob and, and harvesting and camping for a few days mm. um, was quite amazing. You know, I got him, you know, I organised for him to come over and, and do a class for the Invitational as well. He came over and did that. I kicked his ass, ass in steak because I can't cook. Um, <laughs> we, we took him one Anzac day to a, a pub down um, Lake George. Oh, down at Bungendall. Down at Bungendall, yeah. Yeah, you know, that was one of the greatest days of my life. Like big Mo's there drinking double vodkas and orange and bourbon. <laughs> how, do you play, how do you play this game? And, you know, I said, Mo, just have $10 and pick heads or tails. So he goes, okay, tails. <laughs> Next minute, Mo's betting $100 every minute and just going like this. And the, the crowd just loving, you know, this big American guy. Um so I promoted. I did promote the shit out of him for about three weeks down there, yeah. mate. So literally, that pub, I don't think that pub's ever had that revenue ever. If you do get him, get him, um, get him on. Um, yeah, make sure you mention the two up. 
Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. He'll, he'll remind you about what George did as well, taking his top off. Like he never takes his top off everywhere we go. That's right. On, he, I think he's on the plane, uh, Mo, isn't he? I saw him on your outline. Oh, sorry, he's on. Yeah, I think he's on the plan to come on the show. So. Oh yeah, Mo, yeah, Mo, yeah. Mo is on the plan. We're just waiting for him to uh to to give us a, a response. That's all. Yeah, he yeah. doesn't really like Rob, but he like Rob likes him. <laughs> I think that's Rob's relationship with quite a lot of human beings. No, I think you're right. That's hey, funny. mate, I just get used for taking people out in the bush. That's all it is. Rightio. So, Shan, your your bromance with Mo. I mean, and my bromance with Mo. Obviously, I mean, we, we've had one. Mate, we, we've we've literally had the big guy out. Quite a few times. We would go out camping, everything. I mean, and we're, we're privileged. Like, I, I call it a privilege to have someone like Mo around. All right. You you get a wealth of knowledge. Uh, he, he does, like, although I'm fucking constantly cooking every time we go away, um, you do get a wealth of knowledge. Like, and he, he gives you little tips here and there, just real subtle. He's a humble bloke, really humble bloke. Shannon, Shannon taught him everything he knows, apparently. Yeah. Um, but... The question for you, being in the in the butchering industry and being like into the into the barbecue and everything, you see the background stuff. If there was something, and this is a question from uh, uh, Sherry, um, just first names, Rob. Well, that's what I just said, Sherry. Yeah, leave it. Sherry. There. Well, one of those things, anyway. <laughs> um, how do you get started? What sort of equipment do you need? Like when, when you're going to get into this sort of like barbecue, for barbecue comps? or butchery? For barbecue comps, for barbecue. Well, you can start with a Weber kettle. Weber kettles, yeah. You know, that, that's the baseline. You can go all the way up to a you know, competition pit, which is going to cost you $15,000. Something um, up 30 grand. Fucking hell. Just when, we, when we got RGC at um, Port Macquarie, we were using Gateway Drums. Which um, are a really good product too. Really good. But um, there's a guy in Australia building a similar product now, Drew BQ. Yeah, our mate Drew. Absolutely amazing. Um, very passionate guy. You know, customer service is really good, Drew. I haven't got a hat. Drew, get me a hat. <laughs> but, um, but no, no, like, yeah, a lot of teams now are using drums. When we're at Port Macquarie, there's probably two teams using them. Yeah. Um, you can cook a brisket in, you know, like six hours, you know, instead of traditional 12 hours that you got to cook on, a, on an offset smoker. Mm. Um, so, yeah, to, to get into the competition barbecue, I recommend you go to an event and put your name down to judge. So you can see what, what these teams are producing um, and, then, and go from there, talk, walk around, talk to the teams and maybe, you know, volunteer services. Like it's pretty much like what I did. You know, this guy was, you know, Matt from Smoking Coals. I said, I'll come and help you. You know, so I ended up, turned up with an esky, you know, the parsley. So I did the parsley boxes for him you know, and I just watched what he did, you know, learn from that. You know, I, I don't think I'll ever be a, individual competition barbecue guy you know i've done a couple of steak cook-offs which is another great intro to it so the sca runs an event at meat stock and and some of the other competitions where you'll cook a steak um and they'll have different categories whether it be chicken wings or anything on a stick or desserts so yeah just get involved in in, in a small way to start with um because it can be expensive like you know, entering a competition, you know, you can spend up to two, two and a half thousand dollars by the time you pay your entry fee, your travel, your, your meats, your fuel. You know, it is quite expensive. Mm. Um, and, you know, you're not, you're not there for the prize money. Um, you know, some of the events have large prize money, like 
the invitational that the Black Bear guys did. I think there was fifty thousand dollars in prize money, which you know, was amazing. Um, but yeah, you're not there for the prize money. You know, you're there for you know a bit of silverware or you know that pride to say, okay, wow, you know, I've cooked so good that I'm you know, up in the top ten or whatever. Well, um, see, Sterling, Sterling made a real good point of that the other day, um, because. He even said, because we said, you know, when you're in the competition, like, you know, do, do you get disappointed when you don't get the first? Like, is there banter between everything? He just said, no, he goes, because on the day, your your food might be the best, but the judge's taste buds might not be no, like, right. like on yours. So you may event, miss out by a slight margin. At an event like meat stock, you know, there's 30 judges. It depends what what table your, your, um, your meat goes to. Yeah. You know, what their taste buds are like, you know. Are they, are they, you know, a lot of the time you won't get, you know, guys that have judged numerous events. They might be their first event. So, mm. you know, you know, they might enjoy a, a pork rib with honey soy on it, you know, because that's what they've had in, in compared to what these guys, you know, are producing with their so, you know, rubs and sauces. Exactly right. I'm, I'm 100% sure Rob's got some more questions there from fans and we definitely want to get to those. But Shannon, I want to know what is, as a butcher and as someone who's seen it come from the source to where it ends up on a plate, what's your favourite cut of meat? And it doesn't have uh, to do with popularity. I just want to know yours. No, uh, I do like a good T-bone. I, I don't eat it a, a great deal, but I do like a good T-bone. You get that mixture of the sirloin and the fillet. Um, yeah, they cook properly. But lately, um, the rump cap. Yeah, picanha style. You know, like... Adriano from BRZ, he's got one of the best rubs um, going out there. And it's just amazing. It really is. Like doing a rump cap properly. I did, did one the other day, you know, just for the family. And, you know, we had a couple of slices for dinner with some um, rice that I did. And then the next day I did a, a nice sandwich, you know, with some rump cap, some Swiss cheese, some lettuce, tomato and radish. It was amazing. And then the next day, I had a little bit left over, so I did some um, rump cap Swiss cheese spring rolls. Yeah, nice. All right, Ooh. with the leftovers. So a big thing to me about cooking and barbecuing is always cook a little bit extra and utilise that product. you got to use the same time. you got to use the same fuel, but have that little bit extra whether you make a pie, but spring rolls are just amazing. Like... <laughs> You try that with steak and cheese, or you know, I did one the other. I did we did one at Black Bear, where I'm currently at now, uh, a bunning spring roll. So we had a cooked sausage with onion, um, and it, you know, it went viral pretty much. Yeah, man, that's so cool, man. Yeah. I love that, and I, I love the the taking something out of its natural context and and letting people know there's another way to do it. That's so cool. Uh, it is, that- and in the second cookbook, I'll, I'll be doing a section myself on leftovers. Oh, I, I think I'll, we could definitely. I'm going to help you out with that. that. I'll definitely help you out with that. Yeah, like, like you... now he wants to eat them in terms of information. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think that's great, especially in lockdown. Like, it, we've had 18 months of this craziness, and we have, it's become evident to a lot of Australians they don't know how to cook. Look, it, it, it's true. There's a lot of a lot of Aussies out there that have been so dependent on takeaway foods or restaurants or, or stuff like that that you know home cooking is just something that's it's not there anymore like and it's a massive education thing for them i mean somewhat even, even pre-lockdown as a butcher like you're dealing with customers face to face which i really love doing um you know 
when I was in the large large shop, you know, oh, someone would ask the butcher how to cook this. All right, they'd always always yell out my name. So I'd come out and I'd explain to them, you know, oh, you know, how, how do you cook this steak? I'll say, you know, four minutes either side, it depends on the thickness of it, whatever. Um, leg of lamb, like cook it for one hour and twenty eight minutes and one hundred and seventy nine. That's so cool. I'm sure Rob has another fan question, so I'll just comment on that one as he as he prepares to read, um, which we know takes him a bit of time. But (laughs) I've had a relationship like that with my butcher as well, and I've said to him like, "Oh, I want to cook this," and he'll tell me what cut to get. So, like, um, I think one of the recent examples, I wanted to do a a beef tataki, like the Japanese super thin cut, um, very rare beef, and he, he said, "Yep, you want this." Like yep. it's and and that's the relationship you want to build that you were talking about earlier on. And and more and more butchers now are, are really getting involved in in that the cooking side of things. Like you know before it was you know a leg of lamb or a roast or a steak, yeah. But now you have got the long slow the the barbecue scene. So the more knowledge the butcher has got on cooking, the better they're going to succeed. Yeah, that's so cool, Rob. But what have you also, got from the fans? There's also there's also a lot of a lot of things where butchers are now like not not only that i think it's, it's fancy in the foods up shan i mean and you know that yourself like when we're looking at like barbecue wars and all that sort of stuff and, and guys making noisettes and rolls and scrolls and all that sort of stuff people just don't want that bland food anymore because they used to go into a restaurant right so if they were going once upon a time and this is where i love what shannon's done and a lot of the other artesian butchers like glenn dumbrell from cha 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 um like when you look at what these guys are doing, like, and they're making the food, the meat fancy, they're actually prepping it for the actual people. All they're doing is saying, "Here, put this in the oven for two hours or an hour and a half." No, 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 you're wrong. Oh, here we go. What? No, they want something they can put in the oven for thirty-five minutes. Yeah. Well, okay, because because everyone's time poor at the moment. So if you can create a smaller product that they can well, that they can well, quick, quickly, maybe they were before lockdown about the time. I got the time just sort of a little bit like just extended slightly all right i just 12 inched it yeah but but if you can create a product that's visually good because rob's used to extending the amount of things well i try when he talks about them (laughs) i'm sort of talking i got the wog background mate come on everything gets extended out a lot okay (laughs) um there goes our rating people (laughs) people eat with their eyes okay if it looks visually good they're going to say, okay, I'll give that a try. And if it's quick, half an hour, you know, they can put it in the oven, they can do their veggies to add to it, and that yep. half hour, dinner's done. All yep. right? You know, the Sunday roast, you know, unfortunately, then, you know, that still happens now and then, but it's not as common as it used to be. They want something simple, quick, that, you know, it's going to be easy for them to cook. You know, like, even even sausages now, like, you know, um, there's a post on the Butcher's Alliance page, um, you know, who does the best sausages? And some butchers up there going, they do 40 varieties. You know? Yeah, but 40, 40 varieties, it doesn't mean that you, just because you've got 40 doesn't mean they're going to be the best sausages. No, no, no. It's not about, but, but it gives that option. It gives that, you know, that versatility for the customer to say, oh, I like the potato and radish. Yeah. Or, yeah. or, or the, the one I did the other week was the, the grandma sausage, which had spinach, prunes, and apricots. You know, yeah. it's, Rob, it's something a little bit different for them. I've got a question for Shannon, but I'll let you. Do you have one from the people? Because you said uh, no, no, no. You go for it. You go for it. No. Shannon, so you're seeing these things a lot. Um, what has changed for you in the public's perception? Because over the last sort of five to ten years, there's been this 
wanting to home cook in this like Michelin star style or else this I don't have a fucking clue style. And it seems to be like a divide between the middle. There's not really much middle ground anymore. What has been the biggest thing you've seen change? Okay, so the biggest thing is probably MasterChef. Yeah. Okay, you got the TV shows, you know, they'll do a beef cheek. And next minute, every butcher is trying to get beef cheeks because everyone's coming in for beef cheeks. So they've seen it on MasterChef. Now, so wanna, it has that big an influence, you think? They, they like want to replicate those... that. Yeah. Okay. Even even I used to check the Sunday paper. They used to have a recipe from, um, it may, may have been Matt Moran or someone else. Um, whatever's in that recipe, you know that following week, you're going to get, you know, not, not ambushed by inquiries or, or requests for that product, but you got to get a little bit for it. Yeah. Okay. So if, if they cook kangaroo on MasterChef, people are going to come in and ask for kangaroo. Because they've seen it, and, oh, I want to try that. You know, I want to replicate what they've done on TV. Yeah, you know, TV is a massive. That's exactly interest. right. That's exactly yeah. right. Everybody. So media, the media, the media actually can make or break a business. I'll tell you, I'll tell you now. And there's one thing I don't like about media because, oh, there we go. What do we got on today? Oh, no, 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 we got the Black Bear Barbecue boys. Got the Black Bear Barbecue. <laughs> yeah, happy, happy to rep those boys. I, I need to know, Shannon, how many more hats you got prepped? No. Pretty much done now. Just yeah, just cool. ask ask him to go in the garage. I'll be about another 450 of them. Yeah, it's 478. I got there. You I, go. I actually counted my black shirts the other day. It was 127. Oh, truth. <laughs> I don't own that much items of clothing. Don't yeah, I know. Don't uh, tell the wife. <laughs> well, look, the the big the big thing for me the big thing for me is like and 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 you you two both know, especially Shan. I love my game, mate. Right. When when MasterChef came out, and what was the other? There's another thing on TV that My Kitchen Rules. That that uh, thing. Yeah. That oh, and Home and be... Away too. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, that that's one of Shannon's biggest hobbies that he didn't bring up is Home and Away. You do not disturb him. From what what time is it, Shan? Seven or seven thirty. Thursday seven night, seven thirty. There you go. So that, that's not a joke. No. No. Monday to Friday, you do not disturb. No, Shannon. no it's not on Friday. What? <laughs> what is it? No, no, have it on Friday. Oh, so it's only Monday to Thursday now. Yeah. Oh, thank God for that. I mean, that's well, why I once get Once again, for the American listeners, Home and Away is a drama soap series, soap opera, <laughs> that's popular it's in Australia. 32 years, the highest rating, longest running TV show in Australia. Oh, and i got to say, my most favourite bloke there was Al Stewart, yeah, flaming mongrels. Still on there. He's still there. Holy shit, that bloke's going to die on that show. Seriously. He He's going to be older <laughs> than Rob. He is, mate. He's older than Shannon. Hey. Just have a lot of grey, mate. I'm telling you, they're keeping, they're, they're giving that bloke a lot of Viagra just to stay up. Um, <laughs> but uh, look, okay. So let, let's get let's get back to the what's me calls the questions, right? Okay, so here we go. He's got another one on. What's he got? I do have another one. What do we got? What do we got? One last one. Australian what? Okay, so it's the Australian Intercollege Meat Judging Association. Okay, yeah, cool. cool. All right, I'm, I'm going to tell you a story about this because um, it involved my good mate, George. We got asked to do a presentation down at Wagga at the Charles Sturt University. Oh, yes. Um, for, for these guys, and um, it was the first time anyone in my family had been to university. Yeah, but Shannon, just because you actually went to the university doesn't mean you actually went to university, mate. No, but I, I was a lecturer. <laughs> that's awesome though like like yes it's a giggle but like that to me is also like when you get recognized for your skill 
and your knowledge and then you get represented in uh, any any capacity whether whether it's a lecture at university or a public speaking or a a fucking youtube video like it's awesome to me like i I, I love that the 140 students you know we did five presentations throughout the day and it was just amazing yeah but i heard george told me that you were riding off his back like yes. literally, like he, he was doing everything and you were just sitting there just telling everyone how great you were. That, that usually happens. Actually, <laughs> actually no. Rob, George, I feel like that's our setup. Just saying. George is taking the camera. <laughs> but um, before you finish, we've got to talk about Brazil too. All right, no, no, we will get on to Brazil. Okay, we good. Okay, one question I have been asking and, and it's, it's been a real popular question. Okay, what's one food other than meat and barbecue, what is your and favorite? radish? Because we fucking and radish. That. Yeah, we know you've got a fetish for radish, and I feel sorry for your poor wife. Um, but what is one food that you absolutely love aside from barbecue and and meat, red meat? Well, so we're talking vegetables and fruit. Okay, well, just recently, I've I've done a really a couple of really good potato bakes. Okay, cool. Uh, I, I know they're you know probably 20, 20 years ago, but um, I brought them back with the family meals and the daughter loves them and you know, can you make extra dad so I can take it to lunch? So yeah, cool. yeah. um that's cool. I, I love a good potato bake. Um my wife was lucky enough with her work to get a nice fruit and veggie box delivered for Are You OK Day. Oh, How awesome was that? That's yeah. awesome. And um so I made a massive potato bake with sweet potato. I, I threw in some carrot, I threw in some onion, and it was pretty good. Yeah, All good right. stuff. Yes, yeah, I do love a good potato bake. We we we've taken the guest questions. We've tell us what's the Brazil story because everyone's already you you mentioned it, so we got to know now. I'm jumping around. I don't, I don't really want Shannon to bring this up because I was meant to go on that. <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> little, little <laughs> I was one of the so best I, troops I'm gonna ever. Bring up, hang on, uh, put your hand up if you know what FOMO is. Scomo. FOMO. <laughs> Everyone knows what SCOMO is. Everyone wishes they didn't. What's FOMO? No idea. Fear of missing out. It's a it's a term that is actually younger than me. So don't stress. I, I had to learn that because my partner mentioned it to me when I was listening to a song and it was a lyric. Mate, this is what this is not a FOMO, I can tell you now. It, it, it sounds just, like it. No, it just came around at the wrong time in my life to actually do it, but I am not missing out. I'm not missing out on the next one. I'm definitely not, but no, Shannon, give us the tale. The Churrascada, mate, tell us exactly what it was like because mate, that was phenomenal. I don't know if you can see the shirt. Yep. Okay, if you have a, I'll turn around. Wait, (laughs) that's a lot of words. Okay, so on the back there, you know, Mike Johnson's actually on there. Yep. Um, and, and, And my name's on there. So to have my name on a shirt was wow. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I was that's, so excited when I first saw the shirt. That's why he wears it with pride. Man, yeah, it seems exactly. very well deserved. Give so, us the tale. So we we had uh, I interacted with some butchers over social media. The Aldo um, and Aldo and, and Marcelo and Flavio. Yeah. Yep. And they came to I got them to come to Meatstock, and um, they competed. One of them competed in the Butcher Wars, and we did the international. Butcher Wars competition as well. And and they said this event in Brazil. You know, do you want to do Butcher Wars? And I was like, oh, 
okay, so, you know, I, I toed and froed with him. And then I said to Jay, I said, oh, have you heard about this? And he, Jay goes, it's on my bucket list. Mm. So Jay takes a lot of credit for organising everything, but I did most of it. Um, <laughs> and, and I said, okay, well, let, let's go. And he said, yep, I'm in. So we put it out there. You know, we, we asked the barbecue community and we ended up with, um, with 12 people going over there. You know, there was Craig Munro, Glenn Dunbrough, yeah, George. you had Raf, Adriano, the Black Bear yep. Boys. Um, you had Craig Munro. Yep. Munro Meats. Yep. Yeah. Jared McDonald from New Zealand. Jared, yep. Yep. And um, yeah, Evan from the Weber Cattle Club. Yep. yep. Know, there was, it was and Danny, who is <coughs> not anybody. He's just a plasterer, <laughs> but he turned up and, and, and hung on. Um, so we turned up. And we yeah you know, we went to where did we go first Argentina first Argentina yeah yeah and um, we went to the wine box um, hotel there so it was out of shipping containers shipping containers yeah and it was amazing yeah incredible you know we got a personal chef there so we went from there and we went to Brazil and with Flavio he invited us to Debetti mm. okay if you if you've never searched Debetti up have a look at it. Absolutely amazing. We, we walked up to this door. There's a little butcher shop on the left. So we went in there and there's a, a big dry age room, you know, probably a thousand bits of meat dry aging and just an incredible place. And then, wow, this is incredible. And then we, we walked out and then we walked down this laneway and next to <laughs> it, there's 1,500 people eating barbecue, mm. flames going everywhere, music going everywhere, beers under the table for us there, you know. Just go for it, guys. You know, enjoy yourself. All the butchers from Brazil were there. And believe it or not, like you know, guys like Glenn Dumbrell, myself, Craig, George, we're all getting people coming up and asking us for selfies. We were we were superstars over there. Like butchers are treated like you know, rock stars in Brazil. Like Alders, mm. Alders latest video, um, Jay shared it on Meatstocks, had over three million views. Oh you know, wow. Which, Absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, but Alder, Alder's work, Alder's work is phenomenal. Honestly, when you look at the way that guy cooks, and I mean, hands down to all of our guys here, right? Like, and, mm. and we do cook well, but the Brazilians, when it comes to meat, yeah, he doesn't phenomenal. cook. He doesn't cook. He just cuts it up. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. but he's beautiful, <laughs> beautiful man. Love him. Like when they come over here, they come to my house. I looked after him. Yeah, you know, I got some crocodile. I got some emu for him to cook and. Yeah, you know, kangaroo and all that. They loved it. So but, you 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 loved actually being cooked for. Yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. right. like, a was butcher. Great. Like that's, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, then, <laughs> then we then we turn up to Shuriskata. Um That was amazing. And it was it was you know one of the five continents, sixty fires, so yeah. sixty different people cooking. You know, one big family. Um, the event is probably a week's wage for most Brazilians to, to, to go to. You know, so you know, in my case, it's probably you know, four, four grand. Rob's case, probably 400. Oh, hell yeah, yeah right. Yeah, good <laughs> on you, mate. But, um, but it's, it's, you know, you've got the sort of elite people there. It's all you can eat, all you can drink for two days. Mm. Um, and, you know, we had... Oh, I've got another hat here. Here we go. No, no, put it on quick. What? Quick, get it on, get it on. So, so Wayne more, was there from there we from go. Mula. There we go. Okay, probably one of the oldest barbecue places in America. 
Um, great fella. Um, Mike was there from Sugar Fire. Um, there was pit masters from all around the world doing different styles. There was guys, you know, cooking in mud. Mm. There was, yeah, there was a, a ferris wheel of twelve pigs going that, that, round, round. That for me was a highlight scene because I mean, I, I was pretty lucky. Like I had you literally calling me and, and we were doing lives and all that sort of stuff. And it was phenomenal. But to actually see a full-on Ferris wheel where you got 12 piglets char grilling over a Ferris wheel, man, like crazy. that is next level shit. Seriously. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Love it. Yeah, they had they had bands, they had music. Um, and and we we're lucky enough to have Butcher Wars there. So I actually yeah. competed in that. So I was up on stage. King of the sausages. It was, it was my hardest day of my life, actually. Because <laughs> we're at this event, and it was all you could drink. <laughs> and and I was I wasn't competing until four o'clock. Oh damn! No, so, I don't blame you. You would have been uh, toasted, mate. I, I didn't have a drink until you know after that. But um, I, I was up on stage. I was up on stage competing, and you know the Brazilian guys. You know they did a fantastic job. Their preparation. From their experience from meat stock, yeah, coming out, coming over and, and doing it there, um, the crowd was phenomenal. They had like five or six TV cameras on stage, and Flavio, who, who speaks really good English, um, said to me, "Yeah, there's a guy up there talking." He goes, "Oh, he's a the local news crew," and he said, "There's going to be a, a clip on the news. There'll be 32 million people watching this." Watching it, yeah, you know, and I just went. Yeah, I pretty much shit my pants. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair, dude. <laughs> yeah, but we, we did that and, and they just loved us. And, you know, we partied on to the night. Um, you know, we got treated like royalty. We got, you know, bus trips. We had people picking us up to go wherever we wanted to. Um, yeah, it was, you know, we had wild nights that, you know, probably can't be discussed here. Which you know, <laughs> so, you know, like we had like Hayden from Black Bear, he came along. Um, yeah, there was Jay. It was just the crew that we went with was you know unbelievable. You had Raf from you know Two Smoking Arabs. Two Smoking Arabs, yeah. Like yeah, you know, he did. He didn't drink or he didn't eat pork, but you know he was really good for our Ubers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, love Raf. You know. I, so I, Raf, I, Raf was your muster, mate. He went out. Uh, and- well, the, the, the friendships we built up with the 13 guys that went um, was incredible. And we also had a, a girl from um, Canada, Taryn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's so, awesome, man. So she came to New Zealand meat stock and um, I invited her to Brazil. And yeah, this girl just jumped on a plane, came to Brazil. She waited 12 hours at the airport for us to get mm-hmm. there. And yeah, just her passion for the industry and and whatnot. Well, Taryn, and, Taryn herself, mate, is an amazing butcher. Oh, she is. She's great. She like, she's really got a is shop. an amazing butcher. She's got a butcher shop with 12 female workers. Yeah. You know, like, she's fantastic. And, yeah, and I love it because it just goes to show, like, especially like, let, let's go into the butchering industry. It goes to show that it's not a male dominated industry. Like, you get Sheila's out there, mate, that are phenomenal at what they do. And she literally is one of those sort of chicks. Well, you get girls and young ladies. I wouldn't call them Sheila's. Thank you. I'm sorry, I'm in Australia. Darren. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, moment he just, said it, I went, fuck sake. But females in the industry are really strong at the moment and it's really great to they see. Are. Like you, you got, we got the World Butchers Challenge and, and most teams, you know, are really um you know, my battery's saying it's slow, but 
Yeah. Oh, that's all right. Shannon, I got one last thing for you before yep. we let you go. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. And we definitely want to get you on again. Oh. You have yeah, so many fantastic. No, you have so many fantastic stories. But I was going to ask you, what what do you have going on now? What do you want to tell the people about? What's uh, I know COVID has definitely messed some stuff up, but what, what's your current projects? What's the future look like? Okay, so I've got the cookbook going. Um, you know, we've created a, a little butcher shop at Black Bear, Black Bear Boutique Butchery, um, which is really going really well. You know, the guys at Black Bear, you know, really nice guys. Um, yeah, and apart from that, it's just about, you know, I'm trying to relax a little bit, but you know, we want to get meat stock back involved. Yeah. We'd planned we'd plan butcher wars in 12 countries before COVID. Greece was um, meant to happen, but that's still not going forward, unfortunately. Yeah, so no one um, wants it there, Rob. We got, <laughs> you know, we, got, we got countries like Greece, Italy. Um, meat stocks going ahead in Brazil next year. Mad. So that's really good. Hopefully, we can get there, but highly unlikely. Um, but we'll just see what happens. And um, yeah, no, no, just you know, with TAFE, you know, just trying to build this game, meat, you know, trying to educate the people. Um, get them qualified to, you know, be able to harvest the animals correctly, um, properly, and to utilize that meat. You know, that, that's the main focus in, in my life. Just, just on that, the very, very last thing I know before we knock off and, and, and get off this. Shannon, I mean, you, you were pretty much introduced to game meat through the TAFE course. Yep. And um, obviously through what I do and, and, and coming out with me, People's perception on game meat is has always been that oh you know it's a wild meat it's no good it's it's this and that I mean as a butcher and as a bloke that's tried it like I've given you like t- samples of like the capacho when I do capacho and yep. when I cook normally what would you tell people about game meat? Okay, they should eat it once a week. Yep. Or if not, at least once a fortnight um, for the environment for sustainability. Um, you know, the industry is really that they, they spend all of their money to promote it on defending mm. what they're doing. So, you know, a lot of people, oh, can't eat Skippy or whatever. Eat Skippy. All right. It's really good. There's plenty of Skippies out there. If we don't eat Skippies, there's going to be too many Skippies. Well, they're just going to go to waste because I call I call them unfortunately. Exactly, and, and we've I've spoken about that with Rob before. From yeah, and the damage they're doing to the properties and whatnot. Yeah, we've all yep. you know, we all know that, but we we all know that, but others well, don't. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think there is actually a shocking amount of people who don't um, in our country, which is a bit sad. Uh, the the representation of what gay meat is here is very yeah. different to what it might be in other countries. Yeah, and... absolutely. Yeah, but I, just before we go, I have started another little hobby. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, so I got a, a beekeeper in the other day and he, he provided me with some bees. I thought, oh, I'll just start with a dozen. So he's counting them out. He ended up giving me 13. 13 bees. And I pay for 12. <laughs> and he goes, oh, the extra one's a freebie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't. I, can't, I really... <laughs> I knew this was going somewhere. <laughs> Shannon. Oh wow. Well, hang Thank on, you. hang on, hang on. There was a couple of um guys out in the desert in Australia. Oh, this and, is um, not gonna work. No, no, it's good. Go, go, go. Right? And um they walked past this tree and there was bacon all over it. And they said, Oh, 
we're saved, you know, we've got something to eat. So I turned up, one of the guys walked up and he goes, you know, I'm getting shot 12 times. He goes, oh, it's not a bacon tree, it's a hand bush. <laughs> Shannon, thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> we're going to have to get you on another episode. You've been a wonderful <laughs> guest. You, you might have to be a special guest when we have George Abo on, mate. No, no, George knows his own time. Uh, you're, very, you're very... <laughs> no, you're it's very, only so he can put shit on you. <laughs> you have good links and, and routes in the whole industry and you, you support what's going on in the most honourable and moral way and it's fantastic to hear from someone who is doing things in that, that regard. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, mate. Next time, wear your hat properly. Yeah. <laughs> and as a personal thing, Shan, I absolutely love what you do, mate. And aside from all the jokes and everything, mate, you are one of my great mates in the in the butcher building, like, like just in, in general, mate. And uh, he's just gone. I didn't wow. do that. Okay. That, he was done. <laughs> well, he probably needed to have another fag or a fart. No, he, like he that. mentioned that his phone was dying a little while ago. So maybe oh, it could have just died out. It could have been what happened. <laughs> well, that was an easy way to piss him off. See you later. Yeah, I mean, that worked. Um, so one thing I think we should do in the next episode is really define, uh, as much as most people who are listening do know what it is, I think there are probably a, a few who don't, what game meat is. Yeah, all right. Yeah, well, so I think, we, I think... You can do a quick rundown now, but I think in the intro to the fourth episode, we'll we'll go through it in a bit well, more. Well, I think we'll do that once we get Pete Griffins on because Pete's a bit of a... Um, He's like me. He's a hunter. He's a fisher. He he loves the, the the environment, sustainability side of things. He's got a mad mad show called uh, I Hunt Down Under. For people that don't know who Pete is, and I think we might bring that up then. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, because we we can pretty much go into depth for that. I mean, if we really want to, I know Pete and Nav. Don't look at your hand after you do. That. <laughs> what? I did. Rub. I just went like that, and it's just kind of like what? What? Uh, no. Okay. Cool. All right. Well. Ah, Rob, don't... thank you for another damn episode. Um, let's do. Uh, so we have Nav. Yeah. So on, on Monday afternoon, four o'clock Eastern Standard Time, we've got Navarone Salerno, who's the Australian cowboy. And as be... usual, we'll do the first ten to fifteen minutes live. So if you yep. have questions, please jump on then. Uh, submit them then. Follow Rob's uh, Facebook page. It's public. You can you can jump on all the lives then, write all your questions. Uh, this episode was sponsored, as all of our episodes are, by the Game On Enterprises. They have a fantastic and delicious rub. <laughs> worn by Rob and worn by me, although I've been absolutely destroyed today. Even though when I edit this show, I put the logo in the corner. So I don't really care about the hat being on the right way. Um, oh, that's, yeah, that, that, that's just that homeboy thing. That's, that's all. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just fighting the fact that I ticked over 30. That's, <laughs> that's all I'm doing. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode with Nav. Thanks, guys, and have an awesome, awesome weekend.